In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Search goes on in San Francisco for the man known as the Zodiac Killer. In New York, the search continues for the 44 caliber killer. See if you can explain to me why I would want to be a Scientologist. Betches Media presents... Tell me we have a lead. Stone Cold, no. It was literally like the Hunger Games. Not another true crime podcast. What can I say? Tough titties. It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. If you're into weird shit, hello and welcome to the newest podcast from Betches Media, not another true crime podcast, where we will be talking about all the sketchy shit your heart desires. Stuff like scams, colds, conspiracy theories, and of course, true crime. I'm Sarah Levine, the editor-in-chief of Betches, and I'm figuratively here with my cross-country co-host, Hannah Perkins, who is the mind behind the pretend blonde meme account on Instagram. Such a claim to fame. I have, truly. Yes. Um, hi, hi, everyone. We wanted to start out this episode a little bit differently than we normally do. So um, to start out, we want you to think about the last time you drank or you partied or you stayed out too late, which shouldn't be probably that far for most of you. Yeah, this was like a week ago for me. Um, yeah. Think about the last time you blacked out. Did you do something dumb? Did you get hurt? Did you wake up with maybe like a bunch of mysterious leg bruises? Always. Never. I never wake up without leg bruises after drinking. <laughs> it's a fact. serious leg bruise. Seriously. Every time. I also bruise really easily. So it's just a thing. But either way, maybe you woke up after blacking out with some regrets or an emotional hangover or like a physical real hangover. Um, but at least you woke up and you got back to your normal life and you carried on with your day. You saw your friends. You saw your family. You checked your DMs, made sure you didn't do anything dumb. And you moved on. The same can't be said for Lauren Spearer, an Indiana student who was last seen after a similar night of partying on June 3rd, 2011 in Bloomington, Indiana. Yeah. So I actually, I know that you can't tell because the tone of my voice and inflection never changes based on excitement <laughs> or so I've been told. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But honestly, what are we but supposed I to do? Actually Be giddy am, about this? I'm, no, like, but I'm actually very eager to talk about this disappearance because I know honestly low-key Lauren Spears disappearance is the entire reason I wanted to start a true crime podcast because yeah I've literally been following this since 2011 when it first broke and I've honestly low-key kept tabs on Lauren ever since uh not in a weird way just on the disappearance because no, yeah. I don't know I just feel like this weird connection to her because like we're both small blonde blue-eyed Jewish girls and we grew up in mm -hmm. similar areas and we went to summer camp and like when I, when I, when I first heard about this disappearance my friend and I were like holy shit this, this like could have been us we probably yeah. have mutual friends with her like it I don't yeah. know it just kind of shook me yeah it's definitely like I know that you're super passionate about this 
this case specifically. Yep. And um, it's definitely one of those things where you relate to the victim so well. Like you said, it's like, God, that could have been me or my friends. And that makes it so much more real. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this case too, because I didn't even know about it until you told me. Um, I, I just never knew. And it's kind of a hidden case, but the fact that you know so much about it and you were so passionate about it, I'm pumped. Lauren's disappearance actually did get a good bit of media attention. Um, I know Kim Kardashian had retweeted something about it. Same with Stephen Colbert. But even still, she it was never like a Natalie Holloway. She never became a household name, but it was highly publicized, but still not super well known. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like once you kind of told me, I was like, okay, I kind of remember that, but I don't remember, you know, the specifics or anything. Yeah. But um, I'm excited to get into it. So let's let's start with the specifics. Let's introduce everyone to Lauren Spear um, and get everyone on the same level you are. So Lauren Spear grew up in Scarsdale, New York, and she went to Edgemont High School. Fun fact, I went to their prom in 2008. Wow, throwback. Uh, <laughs> was that like the last date you had? <laughs> Damn, okay, I did not come here to be attacked. But no, yeah, you're right, it was. So. <laughs> hope it, I hope it was a good time. <laughs> um, yeah. Whatever. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Lauren was studying fashion merchandising at Indiana. She was dating Jesse Wolf, her high school boyfriend, who also went to Indiana. And they had actually met years earlier at summer camp and it was called Camp Tawanda in Pennsylvania, if anybody cares. If, if anyone's a <laughs> Camp Tawanda alumni. Yeah, I know, holler. right? There's a lot of camps. Like, camps are really... I didn't realize how big they were on the East Coast. Oh, it's um, a huge East Coast it, everyone goes to one. thing, for sure. Yeah, okay. It's definitely very Jewish. Yeah, I went when, to one for 10 years, so... Holla oh, shit. At me. <laughs> like, the ones that, like, go all summer long. Yep, eight weeks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I worked at one of those in Maine, and... Um, it was it was very interesting and it was super fun. Highly recommend to anyone who's um, of age to go to camp. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so by June 2011, like we said, Lauren is at Indiana University and she's wrapping up her second year at Indiana University in Bloomington. Yeah, just a fun f- couple facts about Indiana. It's a really big state school. I mean, to me, compared to yeah. like my 6,000 undergrad school, and Indiana has about 33,000 undergrads right now, and it has a mm-hmm. D1 football team. So it's a really big party school, as you can imagine. I feel like most big state schools that have, you know, a good football team are yeah. big party schools. Yeah. Yeah. And Lauren was not a stranger to partying. She went to bars. She had a fake ID. Like, I she mean, went out. Yeah. You blame her. No one blames her on that. Like. No. That's the point of college. Um, yeah, exactly. Live a little. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, it's, I mean, sh- like we said, she went out. But, you know, some would say that she maybe took partying a little overboard. Um, some allege that Lauren, uh, this is all, yeah, this is all alleged, um, <laughs> that Lauren had taken Xanax or cl- Clonopin? I don't Clonopin. I'm s- it's, I'm s- it's like a s- relaxing. Go ahead. It's a relaxant? Like, it's like Xanax. Like, it relaxes you. You guys, I'm so not good with drugs. <laughs> um, <laughs> and apparently also reading. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, she took she took drugs the night she disappeared. Some say she did cocaine. Um, it's alleged. Yeah, by, she might have mixed all of it. 
Yeah. It's, yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's alleged by Jesse Wolf's mom, so her boyfriend's mom, that Lauren was asked to leave Camp Tawanda because of drug use, which, like, damn, Mrs. Wolf sold Lauren the fuck out. I mean, come I on. also, like, I think, okay, media, some media reports kind of point to this, her getting kicked out of summer camp as, like, yeah. evidence that she was a crazy drug user. I've seen people comment stuff to that effect on Reddit. But having been to a summer camp and I've been as a camper and a counselor getting, it depends on your camp and your director, obviously, but it's a pretty, there can be a pretty low threshold for getting kicked out of camp for drugs. Yeah, Like it could oh, be yeah. anything from like, Oh, you had a couple too many beers on your night off and you came back to camp a little buzzed or yeah. like, Oh, you tried to sneak off into the woods to smoke a joint and you got caught. It doesn't mean that she was like snorting Coke in the camp bunk or whatever. It no, could mean like, like literally nothing. Yeah, I totally agree. And like as two people who've gone to camp, I have only gone as a counselor. Like you said, yeah, there's there were things that people got kicked out of camp for. And I was like, really? That's it? Like they're 21 and they're drinking. So they're a little buzzed. OK, like they're going to go to sleep. But yeah, I agreed with you. That's not a hardcore thing to hold against Lauren. No, um, I agree. And I actually talked to a friend who went to Indiana just about the party culture. I kind of wanted to get an idea for it. Mm -hmm. um, just to kind of gauge if Lauren's behavior was like really crazy or out of the norm. Um, and she pretty much said that Indiana students are definitely not amateurs when it came to partying. And nice. she, yeah, I know. She said people went out every night except Mondays, which is like, yo, props to your livers. Seriously. Seriously. It's crazy. And she also noted that um, drugs like Coke and Molly were common, especially among Jewish people. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like that's a thing. Must be the I mean, 11th commandment. I don't know. <laughs> the unwritten rule. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I mean. Thou shalt do uppers. <laughs> pretty, that's it. And then you have to learn it in Hebrew and recite it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's pretty hardcore. Um, that's a lot for me to think about. So we can assume that Lauren went out a lot. Whether or not she used drugs or not, um, she went out. But we're not judging, by the way. We're really, to everyone who's listening, we're really not in a position to do that. Definitely not. No. Hardcore. Um, my senior year, when I turned 21, because I have a late birthday, I went mm. out seven nights in a row. As you should. You waited that long. <laughs> I mean, that's like that's like a biblical thing right there. Good for you. Thank you. It's on my resume. As it, as it definitely should be. Um, <laughs> my birthday... My birthday's on Cinco de Mayo, so. Oh, good Lord. Just, yeah. <laughs> just like your mind to wrap around that. But I remember um, Cam play, planned a bar crawl and my friend and I got picked up by swingers and I what? vomited. Yeah, it was so weird. We definitely oh did get God. picked up by swingers. I, I actually a have a picture. episode. I have a picture <laughs> of them if you want me to send it to you. Yeah, uh, or we'll I, put it on the Instagram. <laughs> let's do it um there's like a giant if we put it on the instagram there's a giant spill down my shirt because i'm so drunk at that point in time grief. it's good stuff um and i vomited outside of fraternity pledges car so yeah. again there's really no judgment coming from this team no um but anyways unlike us lauren had like a serious health problem um she suffered from a heart condition long qt syndrome and it's basically where you're heart can shift into fast chaotic heartbeats and it can cause sudden death so it's like really irregular heartbeats um and yeah also I, I pretty much it's not irregular heartbeats all the time but i right. i think your heart can just kind of like if you have the syndrome just spaz out 
and Oof. in a like unfortunately kill you just for like no reason basically jesus of all the inconsistent things to have in life your heart being one of them just seems like uh, a constant stress <laughs> that was deep <laughs> <laughs> that was it sounds deep. like the back of a romance novel <laughs> I, <laughs> my inconsistent heart yes if anyone oh my writes God. a book called my inconsistent, my inconsistent heart, heart. Oh, kill me. i That's want so the good. royalties um, <laughs> but at the time of her death she was 411 so she she is small and um she weighed about 90 pounds Damn, I wish I yeah. remembered the last time I weighed 90 pounds. Probably yeah, childhood. Uh, I would think adolescence probably for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I can't even remember when I was 4'11". I was like 5 foot 3. I was 4'11 in- like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was 5 foot 3 in 5th grade. I hate yeah. you for that. Well, don't because I was taller than all the boys and my life was miserable. Uh, <laughs> but if I ever go missing, I think I'd really like my mom to to just shave off a couple 20 pounds here and there. Yeah, right. Just, Please just say that I'm 90 pounds. Right, exactly. Um, just make it as convincing as possible. Yeah, but we are saying that just to give a picture um, of yeah. sort of like the stress that could have been put on Lauren's body when we get totally. into her activities just because... Like she is a very small person. So you have to imagine that like anything that she consumes would have a stronger effect on her than if she was a 200 pound linebacker. Yeah. And she, she goes hard, man. I mean, got to give it to her. Yeah. Um, But before we hop into the timeline of Lauren's disappearance, I think there's one important thing to note about Bloomington, which made Lauren's disappearance that much more disturbing. Yeah, this was really weird. Um, This isn't the first time that a girl has gone missing in Bloomington, Indiana. In 2012, um, Indianapolis Monthly article, um, and Indianapolis Monthly article, excuse me, quoted an article, it's about Lauren's case, um, says that Bloomington was an idyllic college town, racked by one question, how could this happen again here? Which, what? (laughs) Yeah, so in 2012, a girl named Jill Berman was riding her bike during the day and just straight up disappeared. And it's kind of a long convoluted story that like yeah. we don't have time to get into this episode. Right. But Maybe we could do a different episode on Jill Berman. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. I know Danny, our podcast producer, would be pumped. Because he really? he went down a Jill Berman rabbit hole Ooh. when helping us with this episode. Okay, let's do it. Let's put it on our list for next season. Yeah. But so I'm down. what happened was um Jill's body was found because there, someone had falsely confessed to the murder Ooh. and they led the authorities to drain a creek where Jill luckily, I guess, coincidentally somehow was found and her killer was sentenced to a lifetime in prison. So that wow. was the other Bloomington disappearance that was sort of the undercurrent of Lawrence. Well, yeah, and it's not even just a disappearance. It's a fucking murder. It's a murder, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Lauren, on the other hand, she goes missing for she's been missing for seven years. Yep, and no, nothing has been found. There's no false confessions. There's no things like that. There's no suspects. There's no leads, and there's no arrests. It's crazy. I yeah. mean, as far as we know, there's no suspects and no leads because like right. we're not privy to whatever the police are doing. Yeah, but unfortunately, there haven't been any arrests, and it's crazy. No. Like, how does a person just vanish into thin air? I don't know. Because this is what, like, this is literally what seemingly happened to Lauren. I don't know. Let's go through the events of that night. 
All right. And um, before we start, a quick disclaimer. This is the official timeline of Lauren's disappearance, which is put together by the police and a combination of CCTV footage and witness statements. On June 3rd, 2011, um, at 4.30 a.m., Lauren Spear left her friend Jay Rosenbaum's apartment. And that was the last time anyone saw her. She was never seen again. But let's rewind. At 12.30 in the morning, <laughs> Lauren's night began. She left her Jesus. apartment. I know. She left her apartment at Smallwood Plaza with her friend, David Roan. So David Roan and Lauren meet up with their other friend, Jay Rosenbaum, at his townhouse. And this includes Corey Rossman and his roommate, um, Mike Beth. And we understand... This is like a Game of Thrones episode. There's a lot of names. Coming yeah, but at they're you all like Jewish names. They're so Jewish. <laughs> uh, they're so Jewish. We just needed like a Cohen in here. Yeah, and then I know. We'll just I know. trifecta. Throw in a um, Levine for good measure. So now you know you've been introduced to Corey Rossman and Mike Beth, and she's with Jay Rosenbaum and David Ron. Those are the four main guys at this yeah. point. Yeah. So it seems like they're all pre gaming at their apartment, and Lauren and Corey just the two of them leave. One thing that I think is just nuts is that they left Lauren's apartment at half past midnight to pregame. <laughs> Even in New York City, when I can stay out until 4.30 in the morning, if I'm not at the bar by 12.30, like, I'm not going, I'm not getting into the bar, there is no point. Yeah, um, definitely not. Um, I go to bars at like 9.45 p.m. <laughs> now. <laughs> like, Damn. I mean, I'm... Are you 50 I, like, years old? <laughs> I know. I'm like truly one of those people who's like, if I'm not in a full-ass REM sleep by 2 a.m., it's just beats for everyone the next day. I'm a monster. Um, yeah, it's but, also kind of nuts because the bar that Lauren and Corey eventually go to, Kilroy's, closes mm-hmm. at 3 a.m., and they get so, there at like one. Yeah. So there was like really not a lot of time for partying left with this agenda that they started. Yeah. No kidding. Like that's you get there, you have a drink or two and you bounce. Yeah. But, I don't know. Yeah. So their night also, started off pretty late. Yeah. I don't know how she does it. I don't know how you do it when you go out and like you're out till so late sometimes. I see your stories and it's amazing um, to me. Yeah, I I only try to do that a couple of times a year because <laughs> I can't. And like, you had to plan for like months. In no, advance. the problem is I never plan for it, and it just right. happens. And then the next day, I fucking hate myself. Yeah, because you're like, fucked. I don't know. Me and drinking, it's kind of like the property of inertia, where an object in motion stays in motion. So like, sometimes if I'm just like out having a good time, I can just like propel into. <laughs> the fucking future and just never like go home wow this is like some true physics shit up in here <laughs> it's a gift and a curse it really is that's pretty amazing um and of course every time at least every time i do hard drinking um the next morning i promise someone i go on a hike with them or some bullshit and mm. i hate myself even more but no mistake Yep, huge mistake. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, okay, so like we said, they get to the bar really late. Um, at It's about 1.30 a.m. That's like kind of the timeline we're at here. Yeah, that's what they, they, That's when they get to Kilroy's. Yes. Um, so it's known for cheap booze, and which is cool. Solid. Uh, yeah, and um, a sand patio where people often take off their shoes. Oh, that sounds fun. Lauren left her phone and shoes at the bar. So she she's like, <laughs> she's having a day. She leaves her phone. Um, 
you know, girl's a little drunk. Um, but it, you know, it can make it seem like that. Like she's pretty drunk and she, I mean, probably some was. people also just leave their phone when they're shopping or doing that's true. They're when they're completely sober after 41 minutes at Kilroy's, um, they leave and they go to Smallwood Plaza. Damn. Like they pregamed and only spent 41 minutes at the bar. Yep. Like what? Is it even worth it to go out at that point? <laughs> That's nuts. I'm, yeah. I mean, if I'm not spending two hours minimum at a place, I'm saving my outfit and my makeup for another time. As you should, because it's <laughs> 41 minutes. Um, that's crazy. literally less than a soul cycle class. Corey and Lauren almost make it to Lauren's apartment um, at the Smallwood Plaza. But at the complex, they run into some guys. And this is a new person. And one of them is Zach Oaks. And he noticed that Lauren is looking super fucked up. And he's like, are, are you good? Are you okay? And... Zach and whoever he's with seems to take issue with Corey's handling of Lauren. Again, we're not sure why. Yeah. Um, we're speculating here. Some news reports say that Zach was friends with Lauren's boyfriend. So it was possibly like he was like looking out for his his boy and his girlfriend, that kind of thing. But that's just speculation. Yeah. Maybe it was like a bro code thing. I mean, it's, yeah. it's unclear, but... What, for whatever reason, there ends up being a physical fight and Cordy gets yeah. punched in the head. Mm-hmm. So, which is part of the reason also why stuff gets really unclear around here because from about 15 minutes before the fight and on for the rest of the night, Cordy claims to have no memory of what happened. And he's the only, for a large portion of time, he's the only person who is with Lauren and he doesn't remember anything. Yeah. He's drunk as fuck, too. So Yeah, and in his lawyer's own words, he says, it is my client's understanding that he was assaulted, but he does not recall the incident, who confronted him, why he was confronted. Once again, my client doesn't know. So we will never know. Yeah, and it's also safe to say that Corey lost that fight. (laughs) At 2.48 a.m., so we're moving on. Around this time, Lauren realizes she's lost her keys somewhere. So um, so now she's, you know, she's down her shoes, she's down her keys, she's down her phone. Yeah. So girls, she's hit all three. Maybe this is what the everyone is thinking is maybe this is why they didn't end up going to her apartment because she like gets to her apartment. She's like, fuck. Yeah, I maybe that's when she realizes she doesn't have her keys. Right. Maybe they're just like shaken up from the fight. Yeah, they just got into a random fist fight. They're like, what the fuck? Um, I mean, who know who knows why drunk people do anything that they do you know correct i can say that for myself yeah. so i definitely can say I know. that for it's other like people. a fool's errand for us to try to reason out why yeah. anything happened <laughs> yeah um pretty much but the details are murky here because like you said Corey has no memory of what went on um and this is like the blind leading the blind at this point yeah it's, um, it's not good it's um not good. around this time like around two forty-five, three, i heard in the thinking sideways podcast that a female witness who claims she's visiting a male friend, like, <laughs> okay, just say you were leaving a dick appointment and go. Yeah, why do you have to make it so politically <laughs> correct? <laughs> but I'm anyway. Just making a quick visit. <laughs> I know, it's like, okay. But this girl says she saw Corey and Lauren sitting on some steps and that Lauren hit, tipped over and hit her head Oof. and it was a really loud noise, which is like, Oof. oh my God, this made me like physically full body cringe because yeah. like, to be honest, brain injuries are my number one fear. And I've had a concussion before when I was drunk, incidentally. And it was Oof. like fucking awful. Yeah. And just also like the, the thought of that noise. I know. 
Also, one thing that I like took from that, and I'm sure you did too, is like why this woman saw them. Lauren's clearly fucked up. Heard Yo, this noise. Oh God! When she saw her hit you? her head to the point that it, yeah, it really makes me full body cringe. Yeah, and then just like carried on. Like she was just like, oh, that girl's super drunk and like Ugh. definitely hurt herself just now. I know. And she's with another very drunk guy who I'm assuming at this point has like a black eye because he's just been beat up. And she just decides not to intervene. And I understand that sometimes that's scary. And I know as a woman that can be definitely scary, but it's like, come, come on here. Like that, you heard her fall. Like the, uh, at what point know. is not, that that not just like common courtesy you know what i, I know mean? to be fair though like <laughs> you hear people like screaming on the streets all the time in new york and like yeah. sometimes i'll hear like what appears to be some sort of domestic dispute between a couple but i will never get involved because i am tiny i yeah. recently learned via a workout class that i cannot fight for shit <laughs> it was like one of those classes where you're like punching and kicking like a bag yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. so yeah i can't fight I'm small okay. and I'm always pretty afraid to intervene because I don't want to put myself in harm's way. Totally. So I don't want to like harp on this woman for not intervening with like a stranger, but like fucking but, yikes. Yeah. But like, I, I still would help someone if they fell. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that, uh, I think that's a little different. It's not like Lauren was getting beat up by this guy or anything like that. Like there was no physical violence. It's like she, she accidentally fell. Like I would be like, Oh my God, are you okay? Like, do you yeah, need to call oh anyone? Gosh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Gross, I hate this. Gross. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I also heard in thinking sideways that Lauren and Corey go down a different alley where Lauren face plants again and Corey helps her up. And there's also a point, Jeez. I don't remember where in the timeline, but there's a point where um, Corey is seen like literally just carrying Lauren. Like she has her, um, she has her arms kind of like draped over his shoulders Mm-hmm. And he's kind of carrying her that way. So like it was fuck. It was bad. Yeah. Yeah, um, it is. It sounds bad. So after Lauren falls, they <coughs> go back to the apartment of some girls they were partying with earlier, but they don't actually make it there because those girls aren't home. So they go to Corey's apartment. Okay. So now we're at Corey's apartment and Corey's roommate, Mike, who we introduced earlier on is there when they get is home when they get there. So yeah. Corey, Corey he's tries pretty to go sober. Up. Yeah, he's. I think he said that he was like finishing up a paper or something like that. Yeah, I think um, that was what I read. Is like he had gone out with them, but then he like came home to do other things to be a real person, I guess. Um, so Corey tries to go upstairs, and he's so drunk and he's just a mess that he pukes all over the staircase. Ugh. So then Mike cleans it up, um, and he tries to get Lauren to stay. But she refuses. She's she's like in that mode, you know, where you're like, no, I'm not doing anything. That's my Which, mode when I stay yeah. out till 6 a.m. I, I get I get that. I'm also the same way. Like, I have moments. Um, mm-hmm. It's like when you hit that drunk point where you're like, no, no one can say anything to me right now. Yeah, you just um, like get so focused on drinking more. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. I, yep. Um, so she wanted to continue partying. And this is like, like we said, like 3.30 in the morning. Um, or three o'clock in the morning, I would say. Um, she wants to continue partying. Mike said Lauren tried to get him to continue to drink with her. Um, and he's like, I'm not down. But Lauren's like, she's committed. She's in her zone. So. Yeah. But so Mike is like, 
unable to get her to stay. And at 3.30 in the morning, he enlists Jay, who is Lauren's longtime friend, because Mike yeah. doesn't really know Lauren very well. Yeah. So he's like, uh, help me, Jay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Jay's also Mike's neighbor. So Jay comes over. He brings Lauren to his house, tries to get her to sleep it off, but she won't. And she supposedly places two calls with his phone. Yeah, because her phone's still gone. So, according to Thinking Sideways, um, Lauren, this part kills me. Um, Lauren says she wants to leave. And Jay, I'm sure, is like, you know, he's like trying to get to bed. It's 3.30 in the morning. And he's like, okay, if you can walk to the end of the block without stumbling, I'll let you go home. Again, she doesn't have her keys or anything like that. Yeah, but if you're blacked out, you probably don't remember these details. So no, she probably doesn't remember that she, she doesn't, doesn't have her I'm keys. Sure. And he would yeah. have no way of knowing that. He would have no way of knowing. So, but we know. We know. Yeah, but so we like, know because hindsight is twenty twenty. Yes, we do. So we know just reading this that this is this is a bad idea. But he's like, if you walk to the end of the block without stumbling, I'll let you go. And she does it. Like she just like pulls out a Christmas miracle and <laughs> and and does it oh, without God. stumbling. Um and and Jay's like, okay. And that's the last time Jay sees her. Yeah. Dark. Yeah. But I imagine Jay's felt like shit ever since. There's just times where like you don't want to walk your friend home because literally yeah. I mean, you, you would think sleep. that Lauren is walking all over Bloomington, but it's literally not. The two farthest points in this entire story are Kilroy's yeah. and the last point where she was seen on 11th and College, which is 2,200 feet or a 10-minute walk. So, like, whatever. I don't, I don't blame yeah. Jay for not walking her home. Yeah. I don't think it's, like... Because he's, like, it's down the street. <laughs> right. Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, and, like, right. I'm sure he would take it back if he could... Right. But I don't come down on him at all for not thinking it's a big deal when also this is Lauren's sophomore year. It's the end of her sophomore year. She's an adult. They feel safe. Despite the details of the timeline, Lauren's disappearance is like really clouded in mystery because she's never been found. There are no tracks, no suspects. Where is Lauren? So the next morning, Lauren's boyfriend, Jesse, texts her phone an employee at Kilroy's answered the text, and that's when Jesse's like, this is fucking weird. So he reports her missing. Lauren's parents fly out from New York, and they look for her. They offer an initial reward of $100,000 and then increase it to $250,000. Her family has put their lives on pause, sort of, yeah. to like look for Lauren. They're super, obviously, dedicated to finding her. And um, she was searched for by numerous people, including divers who searched Lake Monroe, local authorities, other IU students. They like combed Bloomington. But even still, her location remains unknown, which is a huge point of suffering for her parents. Totally. Um, and they're they're so frustrated. They're fr- I mean, as you can imagine, they're frustrating with like Bloomington PD. They're mm-hmm. frustrated, especially with her friends yeah. And they wrote on findlauren.com, which is their website that remains active. Quote, there is no reason to think the people Lauren was last with wouldn't do everything in their power to help us find her. But alas, there is deafening silence. That silence compounds our frustration, our desperation, and our grief in not having found Lauren. It threatens to be our undoing, but make no mistake, we will never give up. So... I mean, the question remains, what did happen to Lauren? Yeah. So 
Of course, there's theories. Um, there's only two really viable ones. So I think we just go into those. Yeah. Only two theories, really. The first is that Lauren died due to an overdose or a combination of alcohol, drugs, the head injuries. And since her friends didn't want to get in trouble with the law for drug-related charges, they took her body and they hid it somewhere. Yep. And the second theory is that um, a stranger just grabbed Lauren off the street. So that's, that's a pretty basic theory. But I think we should dive into theory number one first. Agreed. So let's do it. Let's just talk about it. I mean, Lauren weighed around 90 pounds, small mm-hmm. girl. Yeah. She has a heart condition. Long QT syndrome means that like her heart could have just spazzed out whenever. So then you couple this with all this hard drug use. Um, again, people say she had done Xanax or Clonopin that night. She was drinking. Some people say that she was doing Coke. So like when you combine all this stuff, it could just be like a, a perfect storm of things that could have just led to trouble. I've read really mixed messages on whether the combination of benzos and alcohol alone can kill you. And some say, yes, it can quickly lead to an overdose. And some say, no, it would really take a lot of yeah. um, benzo. So I don't know. I'm definitely like not judging because obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, and we're all right. idiots in college and I'm totally. personally still an idiot. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know. My drug foray was very brief and late in life, but like even at age 24, when, which was like my brief stint, I was right. probably just mixing some shit that I should not have been mixing. Um, right. Unless my parents have been listening, in which case, I don't know what you're talking about. I never do drugs except alcohol, and that's only in moderation. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just all legal drinking. Nothing happened before yeah, 21. Uh, and there's so not any judgment here because even though I'm not super, I was never really into the drug scene. Yeah, you scene. don't even know what Klonopin is. <laughs> you're I, not I in know, the drug scene. I know. Drugs, like, I'm a chicken shit. Drugs scare the shit out of me. Um, and, like, it, it's just one of those things that, like, I have a lot of, like, addicts in my family, so I'm terrified of... Yeah, that's fair. ...of trying things, you know what I mean? So the way I figure it is if I never try it, I'll never get addicted or never... Facts. ...have any... Fa- <laughs> I mean, that's, like, basic <laughs> no, abstinence it's definitely right there. fair. Yeah, but, I mean, it's definitely not crazy to conclude that she just makes too many drugs, drank, right. hit her head. And, frankly, I personally think that the concussions alone could have killed her. Like, yeah. there's literally this... A type of traumatic brain injury called talk and die syndrome, which is what Natasha Richardson died of. Where is that when like the suitcase hit her and like it happened later? No, she fell while skiing. But yeah, you're right. It oh. happened later. It's it's a very certain, it's a particular part of your head. Yeah, it's the type of thing where if you hit your head in that spot, you could be perfectly fine talking. And then later on. And then later on, you just rapidly deteriorate and like, boom. Ugh. That's why I it's mean, called talk and die syndrome. Fun fact, yeah. it is my biggest fear. Just given all this info, um, it doesn't seem crazy to think that like she could have just died of natural-ish causes. Right. Um, but then when you consider the timeline, which is that Lauren was last seen at 4.30 in the morning and walking, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it sort of seems plausible that she would actually be sobering up at this point. And yeah. like, I mean, it could go either way. But Lauren wasn't new to partying, so presumably mm-hmm. she'd kind of done shit like this before. And to quote my least favorite Jewish holiday, if Lauren was a veteran partier, then why was this night different from all other nights? And like, why was this the night that she passed away? Wow. What a shocking A1 Judaism <laughs> reference you have here. Um, Thank you. That was good. I like how you have your least favorite holiday. 
Passover sucks. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a hot take. Yeah. Um, that's just how death happens. Like, that's just, yeah. you know, people, people just fucking die. That's like all we can really say about that. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I no, mean, you're right. I mean, sometimes it just like, that's the way it happens. And maybe yeah. you've done stuff like this before, but like on this particular day, it's just like, nope, it's not in the cards for you. I don't know. Well, it's, it's like basketball players, you know, those ones where their heart's oh, too yeah, big. Yeah, when they have like, like acromegaly and they just die. Claps. They yeah. just collapse. Mm-hmm. Like, and they do, they play basketball every day. You know, it, sometimes shit just happens like that. No one can explain those things and it's horrible. Um, and that's one of my worst fears is just like suddenly dying. But I guess I'll never really get to experience that because I'll just suddenly die. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're right. So, I mean, like whatever. It's not always logical. I just thought that was like an interesting side tangent. No, but it definitely is. For the purposes of this theory so that we see it through, let's assume for whatever reason tonight or not tonight, but June 3rd, 2011 is the night that Lauren's body just gives out. Yeah. And it's, it's easy to establish that if we assume Lauren passed away that night, she, that's if again, we, no one knows where her body is. So this is assuming that she died. Um, she probably, if this happened, she would have died in the hands of a bunch of college dudes, um, in a house with drugs and so these dudes have drugs. They've been drinking all night. And then there's a dead girl here. Yeah, like, that's a motive. Yeah, it, that would be definitely something that could worry. They would probably worry that they're going to get in trouble for the drugs, one. And more importantly, the death of this girl or a combo of both. That's definitely yeah. some some reason to hide or do whatever they need to do. Yeah, that actually is a real possibility because in 2011, Bloomington didn't have an amnesty law and if you don't go to college, mm-hmm. amnesty laws are like pretty common on college campuses. And basically yeah. the gist is like, if you drink too much or like take too many drugs or something, or you're ODing and your friends call 911 or drop you at the hospital, you're not going to get in trouble for drugs or underage drinking because you called for help. So it's actually a really great thing. And I'm sure it saved a bunch of lives, But in 2011, this law didn't exist. The Indiana Lifeline law, it was not passed until 2014. And fun fact, Mike Pence signed that law. Wow. This is the one thing we can thank Mike Pence for. Yeah. Literally Um, the one thing. (laughs) Literally, that's it. Um, But that makes sense. So they're all freaking the fuck out because, you know, they know that if if they get caught, they they're not off the hook because they don't have that law. They, yeah, they could get in trouble. Right. So yeah, let's just go through again. Everyone, Lauren interacted with that night. Okay. So first is David Ron, and he meets up with Lauren at her apartment, and that's pretty much it. He escorts her to Jay Rosenbaum's place, and then he's kind of gone from the narrative. Yeah, he excludes himself from the narrative. Yes, pretty much. Um. So there at Jay's apartment, Lauren runs into Corey Rossman and she and Corey spend most of the night together. Yeah. And then they head to Corey's apartment where his roommate, Mike Beth, is there and cleans up the vomit. Yeah. Cleans up the vomit, (laughs) deals with drunk ass Lauren and drunk ass Corey. And then he hands off Lauren back to Jay Rosenbaum. Yeah. And Jay is, as we know, the last person to see her alive. Yeah. So, um, the one, the conclusion to this theory is basically that the thought is that all or most of the guys implicated helped cover up Lauren's death. Um, for clarity yeah, that's purpose- the theory, basically. 
Yeah. And so for clarity purposes, we've gone through all the guys. Let's look at their behavior hypothetically. Let's break it down. Yeah. So you could hypothetically look at Corey's behavior and like paint a certain picture. This dude was drunk. He gets in a fight with Lauren's boyfriend's friend. Like maybe there's some shady undertones there. Yeah. And then Lauren dies and he's left with the body. So the theory goes that he enlists his friends, the other guys who are with Lauren that night to cover it up. Right. But here's the thing. There's a few reasons why that theory isn't exactly viable or like pretty far from perfect. If you think, if you think Corey had something to do with Lauren's disappearance, then you basically believe that he somehow gained the gumption, the foresight, the skills and the diligence of moving a body in the middle of the night and leaving (laughs) no trace evidence at all. That would be insane. And Mm -hmm. it's pretty unlikely given to the fact that Corey was like fucked up. Like he's hammered. No. And he was so fucked up that he puked all over his stairs. Yeah. It just, it seems super unlikely. He couldn't even clean it up. Like Mike had to clean it up for him. So I don't see him like even just gaining the physical strength to move a person. Me either. I agree with you. I think it's a huge stretch. Yeah. And also, none of these guys are from Bloomington. So, like, how would they have known where and how to hide a body so well that it still hasn't been found eight years later? It's like, I don't know. I'm actually going to say, like, before I really went into researching for this episode, I -hmm. was a proponent of the OD panic theory. But then the more we researched it, I'm just like, uh, I don't think that this is... I'm in agreement with you. I'm in I'm in agreement with you because it, there's so many parts of that. Just the her body not being found is what really fucking blows me away mm-hmm. about this. Um, and especially like you said, they had all these search parties, and half of those search parties were conducted by people who were lifelong residents of Bloomington. So yeah. how is it that all of these dudes, who a lot of them are from like I believe New York um, or Boston, yeah, like a lot of them all, are from New York. Yeah, so none of them are from Bloomington, Indiana. And you're telling me that they can just hide this girl. I've read that there's a lot of wooded areas in Bloomington that are just impossible or like not in Bloomington, but in the areas around Bloomington that are just impossible for any search party to cover by foot. And also you have the Ohio River nearby, which is like 980 miles long. But in any case, we can I'm I think we can conclusively rule out Corey. I don't think think that he had any involvement just given like how fucked up he was. I agree. And then after Corey, we have Mike. So Mike Mike didn't play a super large role in Lauren's life. He's no. Corey's roommate. Um, but he submitted to a DNA test, which cleared him. Yeah. So he's off the list. He's, so he's that leaves us with Jay, who yep. lawyered up um, pretty much right away. So did Corey. Some people mm-hmm. think that indicates guilt. I personally just think that that is smart. I, I totally agree with you, Sarah. He did. He maintains that he did cooperate with the authorities and he met with the Spears and their private investigator. He let authorities take a DNA sample and search his house. And his lawyers say he did a polygraph. So it's like, all right, that's enough evidence. You've convinced me. I don't think that Jay is involved unless yeah. he's like, I don't know, a crime scene expert, an expert liar. Like, I, <laughs> I think that that's pretty as convincing to me as you can possibly get. Yeah, and Jay's also like a longtime friend of Lauren's. So like Yeah. It, it's just it would be a weird I thing. I don't see it. So I don't see it either. The thing with this theory is that you can't really believe 
that all of these guys had something to do with Lauren's disappearance and also believe the timeline. Because yeah. if Lauren was up and walking at 4.30 a.m., that doesn't leave a whole lot of time for her to die. Then the guys to hide her body. And then daylight comes around, what, 6, 6.30? Yeah, and I looked it up on timeanddate.com, which is the best damn. website. But sunrise on June 3rd, 2011 happened at 5.47 in the morning. So that's so. literally under an hour and a half before the sun to, starts to rise and people might see what you're doing. Right. To take a dead girl, hide her somewhere so well that no one finds her and also clean up like your entire house. And also I think. Yeah. That, in under two hours, under two hours. Like, and I also think the whole theory of all of them working together is kind of silly because it, it, from everything I've gathered, these guys like aren't super duper tight friends. Like Mike yeah. and Corey are, but Jay's kind of like their neighbor. Yeah, Mike and Corey are roommates. Jay's their neighbor. Lauren and Jay are very close are friends. friends. Yeah. Lauren had only met Corey a couple weeks prior. Right. So yeah, I think you're correct. It's kind of like they're loose friends. And yeah. to the point that they would have cooperated with each other and stuck to the same story for eight years is yeah. like... That's a lot. Seems implausible. It. I'm. I'm like not convinced. Oh. I mean, it does seem that the Spears do hold them somewhat responsible. Yeah. Because um, in the Facebook group, official updates from Lauren Spear and her family, Charlene, which is Lauren's mom, writes on January first. I've said it before, and I know it's redundant, but what could have been an accident in a few short hours became a crime, the worst nightmare any parent or sister could imagine. And she also, yeah, it's, it's not good. She also writes, she, Lauren, was with people who could have gotten her help and yet they did nothing. Lauren was so close to safety. She was in her apartment building, but never made it to her door. Instead, she was led out of her building by the person she was with. I will never understand that. And the reason has never been given. The final show of chivalry, letting Lauren leave an apartment with no phone, no shoes, no keys like yo harsh mm, yeah <laughs> like wow she i think yeah. she's really coming after those guys kind of hard they go so far as to even file a civil suit uh yeah. alleging negligence among Corey, jay and mike which I, okay first of all mike should not be in that because mike literally had nothing to do with this because until Corey brought her home um i think mike did exactly what he's supposed to do he called jay and had her but they anyways they claimed that the boys owed lauren a duty of care and they alleged that they gave her alcohol even though she was already drunk and they made sure that she didn't get home okay and in 2014 a judge dismissed the case but i think this brings up the the yeah, question the that we talked about like earlier bogus it, yeah the case was bogus and like i, I i'm wondering what you think about it because i know you were like um, like I hate it how basically girls have to be walked home by boys or whatever. Girls can't do anything. That's like basically what the Spears are saying is like those guys should have taken care of her. Well, they're just saying that she was fucked up and they owed her a duty of care. Gender doesn't really play into this case. Okay. They're just yeah. saying like she was with them. She was in their presence. She was yeah. super fucked up. They owed her to look after her. But a judge obviously didn't agree because the lawsuit got dismissed. But I think overall, this brings up the question that we talked about earlier. How responsible are we for our friends? Okay, like, have you ever successfully stopped one of your drunk friends from doing something? 
No, I like I can't even stop my sober friends from doing dumb. <laughs> exactly. Things, like, like doing dumb things. I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've had to talk like very smart, educated friends, man and woman from texting their ex-boyfriends or their ex-girlfriends. Like my best friend's ex-boyfriend is a is a white rapper. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and I feel like I have one friend who like when she gets blackout, she just gets this like insane burst of energy and yeah. she will like sprint off. You have that. Fr- Everyone has that friend who gets super Everyone drunk one. and just like runs away. It's hard because like we obviously all want to make sure our friends are okay. And especially as women, you're taught mm-hmm. to like look out for your friends. It's like fucking beat into your head from like childhood but yeah. then it's it's difficult because then at what point do you say like, okay, my friends are adults. I've tried. They're not listening to me. They can make their own choices. Yep. You know, like what should Jay and Corey realistically have done? Like restrain Lauren and lock her in their apartment? Yeah, which would have been technically kidnapping. I know. Like uh-huh. by, by all accounts, she was like cognizant and lucid enough to like form her own desires and try to walk home by herself. Like... Yeah, I totally get that. Like looking back on it, of course, like the Spears wish that they would have just intervened. But from their accounts, it just seems like they tried. This is overall a hard one because there's been times that I've had friends who I'm who they run off and they do dumb shit. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. If they want to run off drunk in the middle of the night, even though I've told them not to, that's on them. There was a development back in 2016 that suggests the OD and panic theory might be legit. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't know. Um, The key player in this development is a guy named Corey Hammersley. So a different Corey. Yeah, not to be confused with Corey Rossman. Corey Hammersley was an inmate at Indiana State Prison. And he actually used to go to Indiana and was a star athlete before getting deep into the drug scene. Nice. Yeah, it sounds like the plot of like a ABC sitcom or something or like a pretty drama, much. I guess. Yeah, whatever. Pretty much. Um, but after Lauren's disappearance a year later, Hammersley had a breakdown and he steps out of his apartment naked, wearing only a hat. Interesting cool. choice. And yeah. he starts shooting into an empty house, which like, yo, what the fuck? Yeah. So and he also opened fire on police because they obviously like swarm that shit immediately. Yeah. And he gets sentenced to 24 years in prison. And that, kids, is why you don't do bath salts. (laughs) But just kidding, because I'm really not entirely sure what he was on with my super high knowledge of drugs. Sounds like bath salts, to be honest, but, like, we don't know. But whatever it was, it sounds scary. Sounds fucking terrifying. And he goes to prison. While he's in prison, another inmate who remains anonymous um, alleged that Lauren's picture came up on the screen. Because she's still being searched for Yeah, like on the TV or something. Yeah. And Hammersley said, man, I know the guys who did that. And the inmate says that Hammersley told him that Lauren OD'd at a house party and that her body was thrown into the Ohio River, which is three hours away. First of all, there's no indication that Lauren was at a house party. Right. So that seems suspect. Yeah. But I mean, unlike in the Jill Berman case where a false confession led the investigators to drain a creek. Um, draining the Ohio River is not possible. Yeah, like uh, we said earlier, the Ohio River is about 981 miles long. It's not, um, you know, a little pond or anything like that. It's no moat that is easy. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. Um, yeah. And even, like, furthermore, on 2020, um, they did a 
pretty extensive special on Lauren. They tried to talk to Corey Hammersley. He refused to contribute anything and actually tried to distance himself from Lauren's disappearance and like claim that he had nothing to do with it. So that's essentially a dead end. Yeah. I mean, how much can you trust someone who's on bath salts shooting up random houses and the cops? Um, it's a, it's I think it's how, one. I don't know. Like also how much can you trust like an anonymous inmate? Yeah. Who might be trying to like leverage for some Get sort time. of deal. Who knows? Yeah. As Mike Harkins, a federal law enforcement officer with the case put it, and we agree with, with Mike on this. Yes. This, this is the, this is the best way to sum it up. This case is a conundrum mm-hmm. straight the fuck up mm-hmm. because it, as hard as it would have been for the boys to pull off the perfect body disposal, which we all agree on fucking hard, mm-hmm. stranger abductions are extremely rare. Like very, 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 almost every time someone gets kidnapped, it's from someone they know. Right. So um, it's kind of two implausible theories and that's right. like all there is. That's all there is. And that is what theory number two is. So let's get into theory number two. It stands to reason that Lauren probably didn't just run away of her own volition and like probably couldn't have. She had no shoes on. Yeah. And if her friends didn't take her, then a stranger did. Like that's pretty much all that we're left with. Right. And a a few names have come up. Obviously, like if we know these names, they're not strangers, but there, there have been people brought up in conjunction with the disappearance. In 2016, ABC News reported that an ex-convict named James McLeish drove a white truck. Doesn't seem that exciting, but a similar vehicle was spotted on the CCTV near where Lauren was last seen. Yeah, I think this was like the one bit of CCTV footage that was released. Yeah. Um, so McLeish was recently public. released from pre- from prison for mm-hmm. assaulting his ex-wife. Oh, very, no. yeah, very good stuff. Um mm-hmm. And he stayed at a halfway house about 10 minutes from where Lauren disappeared. Yikes. That seems like um, ominous, I guess. Yeah, totally. And even like more scary, a woman who knew McClish told the police to look into him and said that he made comments like, you know what happened to Lauren? The same thing could happen to you. Okay. What Ah. the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah. Um, uh, don't like that at all. And, nope. <laughs> um, he took a polygraph for 2020, though, and he appeared to be telling the truth. So he possibly was just being a fucking asshole by saying that. And he appears, as of now, to be a dead end. It's possible. I mean, it doesn't seem like police believe that he did it. No. So another guy who's come up is a guy named Robert Strange, who goes <laughs> by the name of Bo Dean. Robert Strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bob Strange. What a guilty fucking name. Case closed. He did it. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, when Bo Dean is the better of your two names, like someone fucked up there. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that too. When I read it originally, I was like, I can't tell which one is worse. <laughs> like Robert Strange or I Bo would go Dean. by Robert Strange. That sounds like a really good name if I were to be a recording artist. That's, oh, wow. You're really thinking like musically there. That's true. Bo Dean to me, all I could think about was Jimmy Dean's sausage bags. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like Bo might be Jimmy Dean's like brother that does instead of sausage, maybe like hot links. Into it. Yeah, into it. Um, We've cracked the case. (laughs) 
is. Um, Bodine is a member of a biker game called the Sons of Silence. Um, yeah, I know. That's pretty scary. Um, they're a pretty notorious biker game in Indiana. I don't watch Sons of Anarchy, so... I, I don't really know the purpose of biker gangs. Um, yeah, if anyone's either. in a biker gang, if anyone's in a biker game, please <laughs> shoot us an email at NATC at betches.com. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, I don't know. But the reason Bo Dean got brought into this is because an online message was posted in which one of his relatives claimed he shot Lauren in a dispute over drugs and money and buried her on his property. Like what? Okay. Yeah. Like um, that just sounds like ridiculous to me. I'm going to be honest. Um, yeah. Again, not super experienced in the drug scene, but I wasn't a sorority. So, like, it's not that I'm not experienced in it. I just haven't partaken. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what a plug usually looks like. <laughs> and they're usually, like, white dudes with dreads named, like, Micah. I feel like there's a lot of Calebs that sell drugs. <laughs> um, I feel like that's a pretty common drug name. And it's usually, like, before music festivals, they have, like, a sale on, you know, whatever shit they're selling. A sale? Uh, like yeah, a warehouse was, blowout, like 50% yeah. off. What? We had we had a drug dealer at school who would have like semi-annual sales. Damn, like well, he sounds Secret. like the plug. Give me his number. Yeah. Just I'll kidding, mom I'll, and dad. Uh, I mean, yeah, just kidding. And also, I think it'd be hard to cross-country ship it to you. But <laughs> <laughs> like, In any case, just schematics. Yeah, can confirm. Been to Bonnaroo twice. The drug dealers there are typically like white dudes with dreadlocks. Definitely not like an old dude in a biker gang. Like that is just, no. that is like shit that you see on Riverdale. That is not real life. <laughs> you would not buy a, drugs from a hardened biker gang. It just, sounds, it just sounds ridiculous. Yeah, it does. Um, so 2020 explores that option though. They go mm-hmm. and talk to Bodine or uh, Robert Strange, whatever the fuck you want to call him. And here's what happens. So, yeah, it seems less like Bodine had anything to do with this because it's more like someone was trying to cause trouble for him. Like, it kind of sounds like he just pissed someone off. And they I know I'm getting ring. like Stephen Avery vibes. Like, it sounds like his cousin or whoever, like, posted this message was just mad at him and trying to stir up trouble. Yeah, exactly. They just threw his name in the ring. And also, like, why is 2020 just applying the same tactics to interviews that I would to, like, catch my boyfriend cheating? <laughs> like, they, they do this to multiple people. I think they do this to Corey or Jay. They're like, oh, yeah, let me just show up to his house unannounced with a camera. That'll make him want to talk to us. I don't even, like, it, I guess that has to be legal because 2020 does it. But It's obviously can you legal, but I'm like, what? Like it's uh, like the publisher clearinghouse. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) like that's an interesting. It's an interesting tactic, but I guess it's working for him. So well, no, it's not. (laughs) Well, it's not because he didn't want to talk to him. um, Another person who gets brought up a lot is Daniel Mezel. Mezel. Are you like fucking Key and Peel in the substitute skit? You take like the most normal names and just apply the weirdest pronunciation. It's clearly Messel. Like it's spelled. Sound it out. <laughs> I know. I know. I do that every time. And it's because like I get, 
I, it's one of those things where I like get in my own head where it's like, that can't be right. It can't be that easy. Someone's oh last name. And I don't know why I do that because my last name is fucking Perkins, yeah. which is the easiest last name in the world. So it really can be that easy. But that David fucking Menzel. Balake over here. yeah i remember when this news broke about daniel messel and i was so hopeful that it was going to be a lead because it it sounded like a huge a huge break in the case um but i'm getting ahead of myself so let's let's back it up daniel messel is now 52 years old was living in bloomington and he was convicted of murdering another iu student hannah wilson Hannah Wilson was an IU student. Um, she was 22 years old when she was murdered. She lived in a sorority house with her her sisters, and she had a job lined up after graduation before going to grad school. So she's like, you know, smart yeah. cookie. She had it set um, up, had a bright yeah, future ahead of her. Doing things. Um, yeah, she really did. It's so annoying. Um, <laughs> annoying. On 24th. It's so it's so annoying is the best way to put it because it's actually like this case really is heartbreaking. Um for a lot of reasons. But on April 24th, 2015, she was found bludgeoned to death. Yeah, really gruesome. Mm-hmm. And so here's kind of where people started to make a connection between Hannah's death and Lauren's disappearance. Yeah. Hannah was also out partying the night she died. And crazily enough, she was at Kilroy's, which is the same bar that Lauren went to. Yeah. But like the part which that is- really fucks me up here is that Hannah did like the quote-unquote right thing. She took a cab mm-hmm. home. She didn't try to walk home by herself. Not that that makes Lauren, like, complicit or deserved no. of what happening to her at all. But, like, as women, you're always told, like, don't walk home alone at night. Don't wear tight clothing. Like, blah, blah, fucking blah. Yeah. Hannah does everything by the book, and it doesn't matter because her friends find her phone on her bed the next day and her door wide open in the morning. So they called the police. Yeah, and then her body's found um, next day on a rural road. And honestly, this is, like we were saying, this is the part where even if you do everything right, it almost doesn't matter because she made it into her house. I mean, Or almost, yeah, like made it into her house or almost made it into her house. Almost, like, or just like, you know, walked in, set her keys down, set whatever down, and then was taken from her home. And can you just imagine... Being, I, I don't know about you, but like, I'll, I'll go out and get drunk. And then when I get into my home, I'll like black out because I'm like, oh, I'm home. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable. I'm good. I'm going to go to sleep or whatever. And, you know, I, my guard immediately goes down and I'm not thinking that something's going to happen. And this is that, that happened to her. She gets home and then she gets attacked. And I can't even imagine the terror. Yeah. It's crazy. Ugh, and she God. was found. But where, where things start to differ kind of is Hannah was found like immediately. Her body was found yeah. the next day on a rural road. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Messel's phone was found near Hannah's feet and investigators say that like she tried to fight him off and I guess he dropped it. Yeah, so definitely uh, not a super clean crime scene. No. And then they go to find Mezzle, and he was carrying a garbage bag full of bloody clothes, and his car had blood splattered all over it. Yeah. So He also had I did it written on his forehead. I mean, pretty much. (laughs) He might as well have. He might as well have. He, like... 
he pretty much took every step possible to get caught at this point. Um, he had a pretty obvious profile that the police seemingly didn't respond to, to as well. So this murder was super, 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 super sloppy in all cases of it. Yeah. And what makes this case like even just worse, if it could get worse, is that Messel had a pattern and the police were made aware of it, but like didn't care. In the fall of 2012, six women reported him to the police for attempted sex crimes. Six. Six. Holy six. shit. And basically his MO was that he would pick out girls who were drunk and a little impaired, ask them for directions, and then try to lure them into his car where he would then assault them. Uh okay oh my god i'm fucking Six. it's too early in the morning for me to be this angry I know. I know i'm so angry i've gone through so many emotions on this this episode of like the the concussion stuff and then mm-hmm. all of this i've like i've hit every range on the spectrum here and i'm not even a, a cup of coffee in so it's a it's a thing um six times six times in fact i'm still not over that number um, i know it doesn't take an FBI fucking criminal profiler to figure out that this is a pattern of behavior. I know. Um, it's so weird. And like, what the fuck police officers? Like, is it, isn't anyone concerned that there's someone who does this in your town that's been reported six times? No. And like the whole ruse thing, the directions Ugh. like really gets me. Like that is why yeah. I never give people directions. Like, yep. Nope, I'm not gonna fix your tire. I'm not gonna look at your sick dog, Ted Bundy. Um, I'm not gonna tell you how to get to the A train. Like, I don't care. New York City's on a grid. <laughs> you can figure that shit out. I'm not gonna get my ass kidnapped trying to be nice yeah. to you. Also, in in this day and age, if you're not on Google Maps, I don't wanna fucking hear it from you. <laughs> like, just yeah. plug it into your phone. So, what you do phone. is you take out your phone and you exactly. plug it into Google exactly if you have a sick dog go to a veterinarian i am not one of them Mm -hmm. so pretty much um and i've seen enough criminal minds episodes to know that like you shouldn't fuck with that bullshit no it's just not it's not a good thing i know i'm Um, like always on the lookout for a murder ruse yeah (laughs) it's like so dumb (laughs) just always keep one eye open for that murder ruse you gotta stay woke you gotta stay you gotta stay woke and very (laughs) alert um yeah but a, a, another thing about him, about Mezzle, that's even like more fucked up is that the DNA, his DNA was collected by the state in 1997. And in 2012, yeah, holy they, shit. yeah so a long time ago. Um, and in 2012, they collected it again from under one of his attempted rape victims fingernails. Yeah. This part um, is like so yeah. nuts to me. Ugh, God. And I'm like, angry. here's the gist of what happened. So in December okay. 2012, Messel was questioned and then released by the Bloomington police, which is like strike one. Yeah. Um, what happened was he attacked a woman or attempted to attack her. She scratched him and like fought her way out and got away, tried to report him to the police. They don't really give a shit. Like they don't really Ugh. do anything. Then, I wonder why people don't report. Huh, I know. Hmm, riddle me Shocking. that. Shocking. I know. Then the crazy thing is, um, after Messel is convicted of Hannah Wilson's murder, mm-hmm. this woman, the same woman, the one who scratched him and got away in 2012, mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. she calls up the Bloomington PD and is basically like, yeah, I think Messel, that Messel guy that you have is the one that tried to rape me years ago. So they ran that DNA that they'd been sitting on for years. And it was a match. Spoiler alert. So he, Messel is convicted of battery in April of 2018. Jesus. This is very upsetting. The whole thing and like the deeper I go into it, it's just more and more upsetting. Yeah. Um, like we said, the police didn't take the victims seriously, which no. is not something specific to Bloomington PD. That's like a societal that's issue. That's just like being a woman. Yeah. That's just like straight up being a woman. You should go listen to this up to learn more about that. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> a nice plug for another podcast that mm-hmm. I love so much. Um, but they don't take it seriously. After one is incident, they talk to Mezzle and then let him go because even oh though God. one harassment victim reported his license plate number, like oh literally God. had his actual license plate to the cops <sighs> on the night of the alleged harassment, she couldn't pick him out of a lineup because it was late and it was dark out at the time of her encounter. So they're like, oh, well, must not mean anything. Gotta go. I'm like, going to like have a fucking rage blackout. Oh my tonight. God. It's like you have the guy, you <laughs> yeah. have his license plate number. Like, what more? And you do have you his need? DNA in the system. Like, what more could you possibly what need? What do you need? Yeah. And here's the part I that see. really, like, fucks me up, too, is um, Captain Craig Monroe, who is a spokesman with the university police, said that Indiana State Police didn't run that DNA sample that they had uh, because, quote, there was not sufficient quantity for comparison at that time, even though there were six accusations against this guy. It... <sighs> Like, just I mean, kill me now. Like, oh yeah, my just, God. <laughs> just fucking put a stake through my heart. I, at a certain point, I like, at what point is your detective work not like, this girl was obviously murdered and, uh, you know, there, I'm assuming Bloomington Indian is not that big. Maybe we should go through the people in town who have a history of violence against women. And, oh, wait, we have this DNA here since 1997. He still fucking lives here. He has six counts of people reporting him for violence against women. God. I know. This news is just, like, it really, like, pisses me off because, like, the level of incompetence and indifference that the police had towards women and, like, survivors of sexual assault or attempted assault it just kind of makes me wonder if there was anything about lauren's disappearance that they also didn't deem quote-unquote sufficient or they just like didn't care to investigate any further it's a good point i mean if this case like six accusations weren't enough for them so it's like what is at this point i know like i don't know but then again like as much as I really want to believe that Messel is responsible, like some of it just doesn't add up. Right. I agree with you. Lauren went missing in 2011, but Messel, as far as we know, didn't commit a murder until 2015. And until 2015, he was still harassing people and attempting to commit assault and hadn't really like escalated to that point yet. Yeah, exactly. Like not to downplay assault at all. But from my limited criminal minds education, it seems like a criminal would escalate their behavior and not just like commit a random disappear or commit a random murder or like kidnapping, go back to assault, commit a murder, commit her again. And like also the thing is, too, with Hannah's murder is that it's so messy. It's full of mistakes. Messel gets Mm -hmm. caught right away. Like. I mean, he literally leaves his phone with the victim's body like you can't get any more red handed than that. Yeah. 
But Lauren, on the other hand, seems to have vanished without a trace. So it's kind of like if Messel were capable of pulling off this type of crime in like such a sophisticated way, then how did he fuck up so badly four years later? I don't know. You think he'd be like a seasoned pro at that point. Or I know. Like, then again, some people you just get lucky and just, but it kind of seems to me that with all the resources that Lauren's parents have put into finding her, if this guy gets caught, yeah, if he gets caught for Hannah Wilson's murder pretty much immediately, it seems unlikely to me that this was his MO as much as I kind of want to believe that to be true. I know. I agree with you completely. I mean, the shitty part is that all we're left with in the Lawrence Fear case is a number of imperfect theories, and we have such little information to mm-hmm. go off of. Yeah. I mean, we literally have two theories that are both, they, that, they, that they both seem equally unlikely, but yeah, there's kind of only two possible theories Yeah, at all. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, it's frustrating. I know. Anyways, what's going on now? Um, Unfortunately, a whole lot of nothing that we know of. In June, Bloomington police told people that they have no updates. Damn. Which is awful. I mean, I kind of am hoping that this podcast might like spur something. I listened to. Same here. I know. I listened to Up and Vanished and that solved Tara Grinstead's murder, which was crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Nuts. Imagine. So, um, uh, imagine. <laughs> I don't know. But if you do have information about Lawrence Spear, please contact the Bloomington PD at 812-339-4477. And we'll, we'll post, like, a picture of her and the number and things on Instagram yes. um, after this episode comes out. So, like, you guys can see what we're talking about, what she looks like, um, you know, all that good yeah. stuff. But um, to end on some good news. Woo. Did you like to end on some? Go for it. Yeah, um, I guess some good news. I read a Reddit thread from like seven months ago that said the partying culture at Indiana has, you know, kind of dialed back a bit and cops are busting more drug users and carding is more strict. So that's I good. guess there's that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it's kind of good news. Maybe this will prevent, um, you know, anything's happening bad again and you know while we're at it maybe um indiana should also have something where cops crack down on running dna maybe you know? oh now i'm mad again i know we're just <laughs> oh my God. sorry it's crazy I brought it back it's like my boss gets mad at me for not doing an assignment right away at least i'm I not know. sitting on dna evidence for six fucking years and you have like you have what it's been now three dead girls um, in your town in the past like what two presumed three but yeah, Jill Berman was years. totally different like she had nothing to do with Daniel Messel yeah but still it's like you would think that they're like taking these things seriously you know like people are dying here time to figure Kim something there's out. people that are dying Kim <laughs> come on my diamond earring um, uh, yeah, I don't know do you have I'm, any like final remarks or thoughts. <sighs> Um, I think that I was really excited to do this case because I know you're super passionate about this case Mm -hmm. and learning more about it has made me very passionate about this case. Yeah. And I, I'm really, God, I hope someone just finds her body just for like at this point, I I don't know if they're going to ever find out who did it, but I just really hope someone finds her body or her remains. No, you're right. And that sounds insensitive to say, but I think I that her parents are also like at that point. Yeah. They pretty much have accepted that Lauren is most likely gone. 
And yeah. at this point, like they really just want closure to move on with their lives. And like, that's I hope all, I mean, obviously I would want Lauren to be alive and well, but yeah, if the that's likelihood, yeah, if that's not happening, then I would also just wish her parents just to have peace. Yeah. It's ditto. like, it's so heart wrenching. So heart wrenching. I, I, it blows. My, and I'm like, I'm very fascinated with, and I've talked to you about this a million times. Mm-hmm. Like one of my biggest fascinations is people who just disappear into thin air. Oh, then and you'll love our next disappearance. I know. I'm so excited. There's so many like that and we can tackle them throughout seasons. Um, because it, it just, people just don't disappear into thin air. That's not how anything works. But it so, does work because it happens like time and time again. I know, but like, it's one of those things. What kills me is like, it does work, but someone knows something, you know what I mean? Someone knows something. Yeah. So, um, if you know, if you're one of those people who knows something about Lauren, fucking call the Bloomington PD because it's seven years, eight years. It's too long to not know where your fucking daughter's remains are. It's just fucked up. Yeah. But Yeah. Let's um let's let's get away from the sad stuff. Yeah. It's the morning time, Sarah. We need to bring ourselves to a pep. Right. Um yeah, I know we kind of like bagged ourselves into a corner with doing games because like doing games about a disappearance and possible death is like super insensitive. Mhm. But we started this and we have to see it through. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> we do. We're already here. Just add it to the many list of reasons Hannah hates games. I wanted to go in like a slightly different direction this time. Um, have it be educational, not humorous, so that we can all learn something. Yeah, I'm down. Great. I'm very down. So we're going to play true or false with some common safety tips. Um, I said safety tips in air quotes, but you obviously can't tell because you're not looking at me. I know. But sometimes. I know. My point is some of these frequently circulated safety tips might not actually help you. Okay. So ready to play? Yeah. So this game is like, it's going to educate everyone. Yeah. I'm hoping. Okay. Let's do it. I'm down. I'm ready to play. All right. Tell me if this is true or false. So there's a recent tweet that's been going around since late August that says the following ladies, if you've received a text recently saying a friend has complimented you in IRL with the link mm-hmm. attached below to it, do not open the link. It is linked to sex trafficking. All your information, Whoa. including location, can be taken simply by clicking on the link. So don't do it. So do you um, think that's true or false? And I'll put this tweet up too on the Instagram. Yeah, as I say. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to go with false because there's all these things that come out, especially on Twitter where the people are like, this is a sex trafficking thing. And I'm like, not everything is a sex trafficking thing. And I just, I don't know. But I do also think that, um, don't ever open like random links that people send you, (laughs) um, for, for computer viruses and things like that. So I'm going to go with false on this one. Yeah, you're right. It is false. Um, the, Link is just annoying. <laughs> That's yeah. the worst it is. All it can do is just send messages urging you and your other friends to join. So it's just annoying. It's not sinister. Um, okay. It's also not even technically possible for any app to grab someone's location off of just a link. Yeah, you have to like approve. Yeah, things. you'd have to yeah. grant them permission. So that thankfully is a hoax. Um, but yeah, like Anna said, just don't click random links because you might get a virus. 
Yep. I feel like that's, that's like that's the concern, that's not that you're going to yeah. get sex traffic. Yeah, that's a real tip for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't do it. All right. Okay, we're good with that one. Um, should I tell the next one? Yeah. All right. Um, okay. True or false? Alaska is one of the worst states to visit if you're afraid of going missing. Um, <laughs> that's weird. I mean, I'm definitely like afraid of going missing. Um, I mean, yeah, but it's not like something you like. Aim I would to say do. though, like Alaska <laughs> seems pretty desolate to me, but mm-hmm. I don't know about Alaska like that. Um, yeah, you probably would go missing. Then, I would like, like imagine that. Um, like somewhere with a bigger city, like I would imagine Atlanta would be the worst place to go. So I'm going to say false. And yeah, I'll tell you about Atlanta Uh, when we're done. When you tell me if I'm right. Okay. Um, well actually that's true. So I know I'm sorry. In 2015, an LA times article reported that Alaska has double the national rate of missing person occurrences, which yeah, which, you know, is probably, like you said, because of that desolate. And I've been Sarah to Sarah Palin, like, come get your state. Sarah Palin. Like, come what is on, going on girl. there? Yeah. Well, I mean, she's got to figure out her family shit first. Um, uh, but her son, like, just got arrested for assault. She's got oh, other, other shit on her plate. Yeah, the Palins. Um, but, yeah, I think it's because it's very desolate. And, um, you know, you get people who think that they know where they're going in the woods and they don't. So oh, that's that when makes they sense. go missing. Yeah, that's what I think. Oh, is that happens. what they mean by going missing? I kind of assumed it meant like kidnapping. I think mm. missing is a general term. Ah, you know, okay, you just yeah. can't find them. That um, makes sense. But, oh, but Atlanta has um, like, I think it's the the country's capital of sex trafficking because Atlanta what? has the largest international airport in the country. So that was why wow. I said that about Atlanta. I've never been to Atlanta, but now I'm like, a little nervous, but I really want to no. go. I've been there. It's great. I used to live there. I was never sex Yeah, trafficked. you love it. It's yeah. fine. Well, good, good for you. You made it out alive. But <laughs> I beat the odds. Um, <laughs> you beat the odds. Odds are in your favor. But Alaska is, I've been to Alaska. It's pretty desolate, but I'm really excited because we are going to talk about a crime in Alaska yes. um, this season, and I'm so pumped for it. I'm, God, wait. I feel so, like such a fucking weirdo being like pumped for murder, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good one. Yeah. So... All right, let's do one more because honestly, this is like my favorite safety tip. And I've heard this and I've kept this in my brain for like years. Um, Okay, okay, so the tip is that if you're being robbed in an ATM, you should enter your pin backwards. So what happens when you do that is that the money will come out, but then it gets stuck halfway. So it looks like the machine is jammed and it also automatically alerts the police when you enter your pin backwards. I have never heard this. I've what? Okay. I'm going to go with, um, I don't know. I think if that was true, that'd be really, really smart. So I'm going to go with true. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's definitely like a huge hoax. Fucking a, um, it doesn't alert the police because like, think about it. That would mean that every ATM in the country would have to know each person's individual, individual pin. Yeah, and that then would be expensive. Th- yeah, and then it would have to know that you've entered it backwards. So, damn. Just exercise vigilance when you approach an ATM, <laughs> because if you enter yeah. your pin backwards, it's not going to do shit. Damn. Well, the more you know, I know um, that was that was a good one. I've never heard of that. So, Thanks. thank you for clarifying. Um, well. You know, as much as I, uh, I usually hate games. <laughs> this one was pretty. This one was pretty informative, and um, this was. Uh, 
probably the hardest episode for me emotionally. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie. I mean, we're researching other episodes right now. Yeah. Um, and this one, this one was hard. This one was really, really hard. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Happy to be done with it, to be completely honest. I know. That being said, though, like, hopefully this puts Lauren in the forefront of people's minds and, like, maybe something good can come of it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, at least we can hope. Yeah. Again, if you have any information, please call the Bloomington PD at 812-339-4477. You can also donate to findlauren.com. And we are going to be posting links to some of the articles that we used as sources on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash NATC podcast. Yeah, we know you guys are real interested in our research, so we want to make it as transparent for you guys as possible. Yes. Um, So please remember to follow us on social media, um, on Instagram and Twitter, on NATC pod. And be sure to email us if you have any questions, theories, um, other cases like this we should check out because Sarah and I are both definitely fascinated with them. Yep. Um, pretty much anything you want to holler at us at NATC at Betches.com. Yep. And please rate us and subscribe on iTunes, leave a review, do all that fun shit. All those things. Yeah. Yeah. And remember, if you like weird shit, you know where to find us. Betches.